Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. (laughs) Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting-greedy podcast here. Been seeing you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Monday, January 22nd, and the divisional round of the NFL playoffs didn't exactly live up to the hype created by a very fun wild card weekend and the constant, you know, uh, media, maybe not even like big media, but just, you know, I mean, jokers that are like on my level, you know, telling you like divisional weekend, best weekend of football, best weekend of the NFL. Um, Andy Barron's here right now to break down these games with me later. We're going to be joined by Dalton Del Don to talk about Niners Cowboys. Andy divisional weekend. Is it overrated? Do we need a heat check on the divisional <laughs> round after um, a pretty dull showing in most of these games compared to what was an absolutely electric wildcard weekend? Or am I being too uh, prisoner of the moment here? I, I feel like it's more that wildcard weekend is underappreciated, perhaps. Um, it, it was great. It was phenomenal. This is, you know, this, this is not for the first time wildcard weekend was phenomenal. Um, I thought we had some fun games. Like it wasn't, you know, they weren't nail biters. We might have expected more from Cincinnati and Buffalo, say, but that was a gorgeous game, right? Um, yeah. Snow on fun the field. Watch. Like, I don't know. That was really fun. It wasn't. Like, it was close without actually having a, a particularly close final score. Um, like, I, it, meaningful football involving incredible players. I don't know. That's pretty fun to me. I think you're essentially telling me um, that I need to zip it, number one. Like, I need to not complain <laughs> so much. And to be fair, I'm not really I'm not really complaining. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm just putting the whole idea of this is the best weekend of football on notice because... Wild card weekend can be literally better. Conference championship game th- th- that weekend can be uh, literally better, right? Of course, and you know sometimes I guess the thing is like last week, last year during wild card um, weekend, you know we had some duds from like the seventh seeds, the last yeah. seeds of the playoffs, and whatever. This year we did not get that, which I think was actually perhaps even more unexpected, considering like one of them was a Skylar Thompson led team. So really, every everything is just case by case basis, and that's why I'm putting the phrase best weekend in football on notice uh, also the the divisional round gave us uh, i mean you mentioned it a couple of conference championship games that that both opened like one of them opened uh with the eagles as like a two-point favorite the other are the chiefs like a like a one and a half point favorite like these are great games that are on deck between 
I don't know. If these aren't the four best teams in the league, they're like four of the five best teams, right? Like this is, yeah. we, we could not have asked for anything better than this. Uh, yeah, we really couldn't. So maybe that's the take. I guess if you want to be anti-divisional uh, weekend, you know, is the best weekend of football. You can either go and be an elitist and be like, no, conference championship is actually the best weekend <laughs> because uh, it's, you know, it's the best of the best, et cetera, et cetera. Or you can be, uh, you know, blue collar type man of the people like now nah, I like it when the dusty teams are on wild card. So that's basically the fork in the road that is now presented to you people out there as we move forward, whether you want to be if you want to join me in my uh, crusade against divisional round weekend. I am here to tell you that Pro Bowl skills challenge dodgeball is actually <laughs> the greatest weekend in the NFL each year. Well, it was Mitch Trubisky's best moment in the NFL, and uh, <laughs> I'll never forget uh, the the time we got to share that together, Andy. So uh, I appreciate that. All it right. is also it is also the entirety of the case for Jarvis Landry to make uh, the Hall of Fame someday. Pretty good case, honestly. So uh, I think that's uh, that's good of you to highlight that. We definitely don't want to forget the uh, don't forget about the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge. This year we got like what some sort of flag football thing with the Manning brothers or whatever. Actually, I, mean, are you, I love it. We have nothing but Skills Challenge this year. They've taken yeah. the game out of it and they've given us nothing but like I don't know tag and esports and like ping pong. I don't I don't even know what they're doing. All right. Well, we just booked Andy Barons for a ninety minute preview on. Uh, <laughs> on the Thursday before the Pro Bowl skill challenge uh, bonanza or whatever the hell it's going to be called. All right, enough goofing around. Let's get down to business. First game we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about these games uh, in order that they happened. It would be great to talk about, uh, you know, Niners Cowboys first, but, you know, Dalton Del Don's still um, recovering from his uh, <laughs> from his, his his actual presence at the game. So let's start in order of how they went down. Chiefs 27, Jaguars 20. Um, obviously, the story of this game, Andy, the Chiefs, you know, Mahomes is having what looks like it's like going to be a classic Mahomes game. And then, of course, um, he he has a high ankle sprain. We know that now after the fact. Uh, but he was still fantastic and dynamic despite playing on basically one leg. I, I have a very difficult time not spinning this forward and thinking about how on earth um, they, they deal with Cincinnati. Um, I'll try to resist that and just appreciate the fact that he had a, a, a monumentally impressive game. Clearly not himself, though, right? Um, I, I, I mean, he's such, he's such a talent. And he's such like a just a chess master out there that obviously he's able to get through it. But man, Patrick Mahomes with with almost no mobility, it's his plant leg. Um, you know, if they find themselves, I don't know, they find themselves in like fourth and one, they can't sneak. There's no way he can push off, right? Like right. he is so seriously compromised right now. Incredible game. Um, shout out, by the way, to Chad Henney, who led an incredible, like, 12-play, 98-yard drive. Like, we may never see Chad Henney again in the NFL, right? Like, he may just go away, and that's how he's going to go out. I don't know. Um, he's, found, he's found his way into a couple of playoffs here in the last few years, so we've actually seen quite a bit of Chad Henney lately. That, and how ballsy was it to, like, they're pinned at the two, and they come out in shotgun and he's he's like five yards deep in the end zone. Like just what a what a what a fun drive. What a what a great drive. All of it short stuff. You know, it doesn't it doesn't even look that great in the box score. But like that was just phenomenal. Fun game. Um, I- impressive performance by Mahomes. But like if they can't, you know, if they can't go downfield and he can't extend plays and he can't do all the fun Patrick Mahomes stuff. This is, a, this is a very different challenge awaiting them against Cincinnati. But that's a problem for another day. Yeah. It seems like, you know, all the reporting, which I'm sure is just sunshiny spin, um, suggested that he woke up feeling fine, feeling great. 
Um, we'll we'll see what the actual practice reports are and how he how he looks. But he could not, you know, he couldn't hide the limp for a second. Um, so obviously a huge concern. Monster game from Travis Kelsey too, by the way. Like they had they had one thing that was really cooking. They they basically had to keep it to short stuff. You know, the the Chad Henney drive leaned on Kelsey to a to a large extent. Um, seventeen targets, like half of the targets in the in the game, yep. basically seventeen targets on like thirty five pass attempts. Just a you knew where the ball was going, couldn't stop him. Just a you know both Kelseys bound for the Hall of Fame. Um, in, uh, incredible performance by by Travis. Yeah, uh, 48.6% of the team targets, to be exact, went to Travis Kelsey. I mean, just absurd stuff. And it's crazy because watching that game, th- this was definitely a moment, too, where and I, I can't help like but think about the future of, of the Chiefs receiver core and what it might look like next year and um, just the lack of dynamism that they have, you know, and, and I think... Kelsey will be such an interesting fantasy question next year. Like, where do you take him? All this stuff. And then he has these performances like this in the playoffs. I'm like, so because he's got one, you know, higher number on his, uh, you know, the back of his card, which is basically he's going to be a year older. I'm supposed to believe that he's suddenly not going to be this player when we're seeing him in the calendar year of 2023 be this exact same player. I I mean, he's just he is definitely a special player. And you've mentioned the Kelsey brothers, like they have this great podcast together. They've got the waffle house discussion. I'm engaging with that <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, the Kelsey brothers are ruling the NFL right now. Travis uh, chief among them. I mean, like this is just incredible stuff, but yeah, the lack of dynamism from the rest of the chiefs pass catchers. I mean, Kadarius Tony has 20% of the team targets. He got some rushing uh, stats in there as well. He had 12 routes on the game, which I think is smart, by the way, I to use him as a gadget type player, but you know, they've got MVS, they've got Justin Watson, you know, Juju gets 5.7% of the targets despite running the same amount of routes as Travis Kelsey, which I think that's about, that's a, that about says it all right there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what, like, Kadarius Tony played 20 snaps, right? 12 routes, 20 snaps, barely on the field again. Um, noisy, though, because he sees the ball when he's on the field. And they've exactly. got, you know, they're going to have a full offseason to see what they can get out of Kadarius Tony, And he's obviously a, a, an electric athlete. So if anybody can if anybody can make that work in a, in a bigger role, it's probably going to be Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, so that could be fun. But there's no, like, we've talked about it before, there aren't easy answers at at receiver this offseason it's a it's a pretty good draft class but like the free agent class is terrible um it's juju like at the top of it right like there's just not yeah there's not any place there's teams with money to listen my own team the chicago bears has a ton of money to spend and there's no place to throw it that's why they made the weird move for chase claypool right they were just trying to get out (laughs) in front of an absolutely terrible like it's a great class at running back and it's just a a dreadful class at uh, at receiver so trading and drafting is is probably the route if you want to fix that because there are no easy answers just in the in the free agent pool. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to see another offseason of movement at wide receiver like we saw last year, you know, because so many guys aren't at that like contract impasse. There was the unique situation yeah. with the 2019 uh draft class where there were all the good players were second rounders, none of them had the fifth year option, so that created the AJ Brown situation. It, you know, Debo ended up getting the contract with his team, but there was all that speculation as well. So, um I don't think we'll see a situation like we saw last offseason, but yeah, maybe some trade target emerges. But anyways, Obviously, going forward uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, it's just how healthy is Mahomes. And, and you know, we're going to talk about Cincinnati. They certainly look like a more than formidable opponent, of course. Um, and if you have if Mahomes is not able to add that extra layer of scrambling, like he was the third best scrambling quarterback behind Josh Allen um, and and uh, Jalen Hurst from an efficiency standpoint. Obviously, uh, your guy, Justin Fields, put up absurd uh, raw numbers, but just like from the 
the EPA added on scramble, stuff like that. Mahomes was right up there with the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL period. And if he doesn't have that ability, that will obviously be the biggest question uh, in that particular matchup. Yeah, um, I we haven't mentioned him yet, but uh, Isaiah Pacheco was great, right? Like um, not a not a enormous rushing workload or anything like that, but super explosive, crazy acceleration. This is as good as he's looked in a in a huge moment. Um, and I, you know, to get to get back to uh, Patrick Mahomes, there's no like there's no answer until we until we see him next weekend. Like the practice reports are only going to tell us so much. We're going to hear nothing but but good things. I'm sure, yeah. right? Like th- nobody's going to. Uh, I don't know. This isn't one of those like Aaron Rodgers situations where they leak a bunch of stuff about how much pain he's in and nobody's ever been in so much pain. And, oh, I don't, I don't know if he can if he can play. Um, we're not going to hear that. He's not going to go out Mahomes. there and pull, pull a Big Ben. You'll pull a Big Ben or whatever. Hell no. Hell no. Everybody, we're not going to get that. Everybody we parts falling off. Every national reporter like day of game was already giving us. Oh, yeah, he's fine. He's feeling great. He woke up feeling great. He's never been better. He's he's faster than ever. <laughs> right. Like all he needed was a good night of sleep and his high ankle sprain went away. I don't, I don't know. Oh, man, he was seriously compromised, and uh, it uh, it puts that game at at great risk for Kansas City. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, all right, let's talk about Jacksonville here. Uh, do the post mortem on them. It was a it was a valiant effort uh, by Jacksonville. I mean, I think it probably isn't going to be this close if if Patrick Mahomes is a hundred percent from start to finish. But um, I I know there was some talk about like the game plan they had, but you know, putting the ball in Travis Etienne's hands, I think was smart. Uh, he was dynamic in this game and like having Trevor Lawrence try to get the ball out quickly, you know, five point, he had 5.6 yards per attempt. I think trying to attack them underneath and stuff like that was a way to mitigate like Chris Jones's impact on the game overall. I mean, Look, we didn't expect the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the damn divisional round. I thought it was a valiant effort overall from them. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of positives to build around here. I, I will just tell you that if I were a Jags fan, I like July couldn't get here soon enough. I'm, I'm ready. Oh, like, yeah. Let's yeah. let's run it back. I've got I've got Calvin Ridley added to this. I like everything that happened, uh, like the trajectory of my team. The quarterback position is solved. So like I've we've figured out the most the most challenging spot in the NFL, if not in all of team sports. Right. Like, give, give me this next decade of Jags football. <laughs> I think it's going to be really fun. Like there's there's obvious places that people can improve, you know, like ETN probably has work to do and pass protection and keeping himself yeah. on the field in passing situations like there's. There are obvious places where this team needs to get better, but um, they, they can just run it back with this crew and I'd feel pretty good about it. And we get a new draft class and we get free agency and like, let's go. This that that, that was a fun season for the for the Jaguars. And they got a they got like a playoff win under their belt and they got a memorable playoff win under their belt. too. Right. Um, it, it's just like everything is pointing the right direction to, for that team. I, I probably of every team, I don't know, we can exclude the Bills from this, I guess, because they're they're maybe at a different level. But like of every team that that exited the playoffs over the last couple of weeks, I I certainly feel the best about Jacksonville's trajectory. I just think they've they've solved so many of the most difficult problems um, that that's a really fun team. And I, honestly, like Christian Kirk pulls in a couple of balls. Um, Agnew doesn't cough up that fumble um, that this thing was going to be really close. It really was. And I think that's a great point about them being the team that you feel the best about just because they have the biggest problems solved. Like they have had they have their head coach. Like yeah. Doug Peterson didn't come in here and get embarrassed or anything like that, which we shouldn't expect. Doug Peterson's the Super Bowl winning head coach. You're not going to get outclassed in a moment like this. You don't get outclassed in a moment like this. Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, I think he's 
obviously taken a leap in what was essentially his rookie year. I thought it was interesting that Chris Collinsworth kept using the word like healing, like they needed to literally heal from the Urban Meyer experience, you know, as, as if it was like, I mean, it was an atrocity, right? Like it's an absolute disaster. And uh, Peterson did healing and more for this team. Uh, yeah. And I, I think a lot of it for Trevor Lawrence, too. So they have those two biggest questions solved. And you mentioned Calvin Ridley's name. They already have like, and I, I keep wanting to sort of be cautiously optimistic with Calvin Ridley because we haven't seen him play in so right. long. But theoretically, they already have a marquee addition. Like we're talking about, hey, you know, what are the Chiefs going to do at wide receiver? Um, well, they don't really care. They're moving on to the next round of the playoffs. So, like they don't have to answer that question right now. But the Jags already have that marquee addition at wide receiver theoretically, and I think they could still add like a potent, like a big ball winning X receiver. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence is like trying to give Marvin Jones chances uh, on these like jump balls late in the game, trying to, to pick up chunks, trying to give those to Zay Jones. Zay Jones had a nice year, but he's not that type of player either. So um, I think they could still add yet another guy in the receiver room and in, in the draft potentially. So. I agree with you pretty much wheels up uh, for, for Jacksonville from here. Yeah. Um, I really don't, you know, there's, there's some obvious things that need to get a little bit, but like wild that that team, by the way, didn't have a pro bowler. Um, that that's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, d- division winner, won a playoff game, zero pro bowlers. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't really like, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of takeaways for the Jacks. I just like, again, if I were, if I were a fan of that team, I would just want trading camp to get here so fast. Um, I want to, I want an injury free off season. Um, as you say, I want like, it, I'm probably getting ahead of myself on Calvin Ridley and just assuming that he's going to be the guy that he was before. And that's certainly not a safe assumption. He's missed a lot of time, but if he's close, um, that's a huge addition because you've just maxed out the talent of Zay Jones, I think. And you've come pretty close to maxing out Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. Them, right. Like, I don't know how much I don't yeah. know how much better these guys get. They just get, you know, another year of, of sort of continuity, um, a, another year with uh, with Lawrence and with Peterson. And that is certainly meaningful. Um, but any other addition, uh, like potentially getting the, the best damn receiver on the team uh, entering the entering the scene in 2023 is is just a big deal. Um, just really excited for this franchise. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. I feel I feel great as a as a Jacksonville Jaguars. The AFC fan right is now. loaded, Our, by the way. Like the I yeah. mean, you know, just like big picture. Um, man, there are some really good like Hall of Fame level quarterbacks who may never get to a Super Bowl because the AFC is so damn loaded and is going to be that loaded mm-hmm. for the next like ten years. I agree, and and already having that playoff win under Trevor Lawrence's belt. You know, when we're having these like big picture discussions, like it's stuff that. Like I kind of roll my eyes at and get annoyed by um you know th- these sort of discussions because it's like yeah one only one team wins a Super Bowl every year only one you know you can only get one team to go so far in the playoffs or whatever but we don't have to have those conversations like we're having with Justin Herbert right now where it's like oh he's never won a playoff game he's going to your board never won a playoff game he just played in one playoff game it's like Trevor Lawrence has already played in the playoffs he's won a playoff game like he already has that under his belt and this is his this was his second season and it is crazy too you mentioned all the talent at quarterback for the for the AFC they're all so young I mean we have a long way and like keeping that in mind when we talk about like Josh Allen here in a few minutes like we've got a long long way to go in these guys's career so like the the story is certainly not written for any of them but the start of the story for Trevor Lawrence has been incredibly exciting. Let's move to the lesser of the two conferences right now. Um, and this game certainly showed it. Eagles, 38. Giants, 7. I mean, the Giants, again, we'll talk about them in a second. They just got outclassed by a far, far better team here in Philadelphia. 
Yeah, I like, I don't know if these teams play 30 times, do the Eagles win 29 times? <laughs> like it, it felt that <laughs> probably, way. Probably, yeah. This yeah. doesn't, this did not feel close. Um, the, what, what I thought, you know, sort of looking back on this game, you could feel it in the moment too. Um, the, the, where this really ended, remember it was, it was like 14 to nothing. Um, and the giants had that like players only huddle on the sideline to get each other going. And like, we're not going out like this and grr and, you know, we're going to, you know, let's, let's man up. Um, and then the Eagles came out and just ran it down their effing throats. Right. (laughs) Right. Like it was, it was Miles Sanders, six straight carries, like nine yards, 12 yards, five yards, you know, just like everything between the tackles and, um, that, that drive ends in another touchdown. And then there was there, I mean, hope was gone, right? Like you can't, you can't have that moment of team unity and like, Hey, let's, you know, let's pull out of this nosedive. And then you don't pull out of the nosedive. Like that thing was done. Um, the giants could not get to Jalen hurts, zero quarterback hits um on on hurts couldn't i mean that like the the philly offensive line was just utterly dominant in this thing um philly gains over six yards per carry over 260 rushing yards in this thing got everything they wanted um it was just not competitive in the trenches um it was it was difficult to even imagine the scenario in which the giants win that game it's so crazy, the offensive line performance by Philadelphia. I mean, the rushing stats are absurd. 12 for 112 for uh, Kenneth Gainwell on a touchdown. Miles Sanders says, oh, well, you 17 carries for 90 yards as well. You know, they get the giant killer, Boston Scott. They made sure to get him in the end zone. He yeah. also had six carries for 32 yards. And that that is the crazy thing about Philadelphia, man, is that they are absolutely embarrassingly loaded at the skill position uh posi- like skill position spots. I mean Jalen Hurts is a dude. Uh they have Devontae Smith is their s- number 2 receiver. They have AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard back in full force here with five catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. And oh by the way, not only are they loaded and super concentrated at the skill position spots, their offensive line is just loaded oh. with a bunch of studs as well. So uh, it's yeah, again, hell of a season by the Giants, but you're walking into a total buzzsaw there. This team rested, uh, feeling good. And I think one thing that's worth mentioning, uh, Nick Sirianni had a couple of big camera moments. Uh, that guy does seem to have a couple of big camera moments. You know, the I know what the F I'm doing thing. I'm had a couple big hot here. mic moments, yeah. Had a, big, uh, had a hot mic moment there, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's a credit to him that he gives them and, – and, I, you know, we're talking about the Niners game with Dalton, but, like, Kyle Shanahan consistently sort of, like, dude, just – take a risk for once in your life. I mean, Mike McCarthy's <laughs> on the other end of the sideline and you're trying to out McCarthy McCarthy here. Um, Nick Sirianni consistently gives the Eagles those extra in-game edges, which I think is a credit too that he's, and I think it's a big part of why he's become a really successful head coach because he isn't the one calling plays. Like Shane Steichen is doing that. Shane Steichen's getting head coaching interviews and stuff like that. And Sirianni's allowed to just focus on like, oh, maybe make a good in-game decision here. We know the Eagles are a forward-thinking organization with analytics and stuff like that. But I think that's a credit to Sirianni, who I know is going to, again, he's going to be remembered with the hot mic moment in this game. But I thought also put them in a lot of good uh, advantageous situations there as well. And we are we are so far away from like, remember the bad Nick Sirianni press conference and everybody was like, I, oh, what yes. have we done? Like, well, the two of them, because I made the joke about that. Uh, like there was the, the his intro press conference where everybody was freaking out, like, "Oh, we just hired yeah. the Colts OC who doesn't even call plays." Like, we're we're just trying to chase Frank Reich. What a stupid <laughs> hire! And then you know they started slow his first year, and he had that dumb like 
flower fertilizer press conference where he's trying oh, to make yeah. an analogy or whatever. So I, that's what I made the joke about on Twitter with the hot mic thing. But yeah, he's he had a couple of those, and, and we have. You're right, we've come a long way from that. Oh, he's they're so good in game. Um, they're they're just you know it was, it was nice too to be reminded of what that offense is like and what that team is like when they are when they are fully healthy and ready to go because. So so much of the narrative had shifted to the Niners and can anybody stop the Niners? And now there is a team that can definitively stop the Niners and should be favored over them. And that like that game is whoever comes out of that game. It's going to be an incredible story. Um, Really fun NFC title game ahead of us. But I like Philadelphia. I, maybe I said it too low. Like maybe if these teams play 50 times, Philly wins 49 times. I mean, it just does not feel like. And what a, you know, bummer of a way for the Giants season to end in many respects, because they had so much momentum and their fans could feel so good about what they were building. And then just to have the door slammed in that emphatic a way while you've got, you know, a couple of huge free agent decisions ahead of you. That, that's a that's a rough landing to what was otherwise a really fun year. Yeah, I think that's a good way to transition into the Giants, because in some respects, you could say almost exactly what we said about Jacksonville. Like, hey, look, you weren't supposed to be here. You clearly got the organization back on the right track. I mean, this was a team that was cutting guys like James Bradbury, who, by the way, was on the other sideline here. And, you know, it would have been nice to have James Bradbury on your team. But you were in such a bad cap situation. You had to cut a guy like that just to sign your damn rookies. You know, like that's the spot that the, that the Giants were in. They got incredible seasons out of Daniel Jones, out of Saquon Barkley. Dexter Lawrence on the defensive side of the ball was incredible this year. We got. I still will never get over the fact that that guy's like 340 pounds and is is playing like playing as many snaps as he's playing. Wild. Okay, um, and apparently he's a big Pilates guy. So shout out to Pilates uh, right there. So maybe everybody. Hit up move move with Nicole on YouTube and and do your uh, do your Pilates because then you'd be like Dexter Lawrence there, all right. Um, but hey, point point being, like they got some big performances out of out of guys that are theoretically key to this team's future. But we're, we're because of the way this game goes, and because Andy's sitting here saying like forty nine times out of fifty they're going to lose to the Eagles. It does feel a little different, and because of the decisions that they have to make here on Saquon on Daniel Jones, like. They don't have a Trevor Lawrence, even if you like Daniel Jones. You've got to admit, like they they don't have they're they're at a decision making point with Daniel Jones, and I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure what they do there. Although I think you got to find a way to bring him back. Right. I'm not. That's just the thing. I'm not a hundred percent either, and I don't I don't know that there's a better solution out there. There's I, I I can't say that you know any of the veterans who are obviously available. I can't say that I would prefer any of those guys to Daniel Jones. I don't know if you can get in the in the conversation for one of the top picks in this draft. I, I don't know if they care about that. Like, I feel they've built something with Daniel Jones and he as much as anybody um, it, from where my expectations were for that guy, like coming into the season to where they are yep, now. Um, it, it's it's as big a jump as as it is for anyone in the league. Like, I was so impressed by him down the stretch. He really he didn't have much of a chance in this game. I know he threw the one bad pick, but he had like five sacks, eight hits, um, no time, no receivers. Like that, like we talk about this, I feel every week, but it bears repeating. He's the, this team had no plans for Richie James and uh, Isaiah Hodgins and, and, you know, Slayton kind of an afterthought. Hodgins was not even the on the team, not on the team, <laughs> not on the team. Like none of these guys were supposed to be part of the, of the, you know, if there was a, a giants playoff team out there, none of these guys were supposed to be playing a, a major role for it. So 
that that's perhaps the most impressive thing about Jones's season. He did all this on the ground. He did, you know, all these good moments through the air. And he's just throwing to some guys that they, like they had this totally patched together. So if you can actually and again, we talked about what a uh, what a uh, treacherous sort of free agent class this is at receiver and how difficult it is to improve the receiver position this offseason. If you can find a way to do it, um, you know, I, I, you know, I want to build on on what we just developed between Dable and, and this, you know, re- really fun coaching staff and Daniel Jones. I've, I've, I have just a lot more hope for Daniel Jones than I did coming into to 2022, certainly. Yeah. And I don't think Daniel Jones is about to get like a, you know, the Kyler Murray contract or no, you know, no. anything like that. I think you can probably find a two year, three year deal with Daniel Jones. And like, you think he's rushing to get out the door, even if he hits the free agent market. I, again, I, I typically it's like starting level quarterbacks hitting free agency. They're going to get paid a boatload of cash. You know, Kirk Cousins, we've seen it, but I, I don't even know that Daniel Jones has proven that much goodwill around the league. That, and I, I don't think he's rushing to get out the door. Like yeah. after playing with this coaching staff with one year, obviously everybody wants to get paid, but I think he probably wants to stay in New York. I'd imagine. And look, if it comes down to it, they could franchise tag him. I think they probably would rather franchise tag Saquon Barkley and figure something out there. But um, those two guys, obviously, they're in limbo um but you know if you bring jones back you bring barkley back like i think hodgins showed enough this year that you could roll with him as your third receiver or something like that like he showed he can play wandale robinson should be back um obviously late late late-ish season torn acl we know that can be a little problematic but yeah you add one more guy whether it's in the draft whether it's you know you make a trade for somebody i think you could i think you could build a nice little offense here but at the same time andy if for whatever reason Jones does leave Barkley leaves and they're starting all over on offense again because of what Brian Dayball showed. And we'll see if Mike Kafka's around, uh, if he gets a head coaching job and who's interviewing with the Panthers, I think I still feel really good about this team just because of the, the guy they've got uh, pulling the strings there in, in Brian Dayball. Yeah, they've definitely got the head coach situation exactly right. Um, the the other thing to bring up is that they're so they're so far behind the Eagles on on both lines, right? Like that was yes. that was just as big a mismatch as as we saw all weekend, and and there were several, but um, just absolutely notable the the way that the Giants just continually lost uh, in the in the trenches. I you know I feel like I sound like such a meathead talking about oh the trenches. Um, but it was just so, it was so one-sided, um, and it was, it was cartoonish at times. Right. And and there are guys that they've invested in, uh, on those lines already, but you know, Evan Neal's a rookie, Kayvon Thibodeau's a rookie. Like you think those guys are going to take, this is the the thing about the giants. Like they're not supposed to be playing on the divisional round. Okay. Like this roster isn't looking like a divisional round team. Um, but some of these guys, if they take steps in the future, you can get improvement there on those sides. I mean, look at Andrew Thomas, another guy I should mention here that, um, you know, looked like he might be a draft bust early in his career and he had like an all pro caliber season. Uh, so, and that's just growth as you stick with guys and, and, Daniel Jones again it's growth as you stick with these guys through some of these growing pains so Giants they don't feel as good as the Jags coming out of this weekend but I I think that you got to feel pretty good about the future of this team as well even if uh man I mean that's the thing we talk about these AFC quarterbacks and uh someone's not going to win the Super Bowl not everybody wins the Super Bowl every not everybody wins the Super Bowl every year the damn Eagles uh, out of the NFC that we're down on can certainly win the Super Bowl, and none of these young AFC quarterbacks uh, yeah. get a Super Bowl under their belt. That's certainly possible. 
Oh, it is absolutely possible. I mean, the Eagles are the Eagles are the team that has like every phase figured out, right? Like, there's no there's no glaring weakness um, uh, on the on the Philly side at all. I can't I can't point to it, especially as they're getting healthy. So, um, can't, yeah, can't wait for the can't absolutely can't wait for the Niners game. It's gonna be really fun. All right, let's talk about uh, a couple of those young AFC quarterbacks here. Bengals 27, Bills 10. Um, snow game looked amazing. Uh, talk about meathead stuff. I don't get into the like, oh, the Bills should be played at a dome or, you know, no, it's actually. Uh, I'm trying to go into multiple character voices here. It's not that <laughs> not going well. You've, you've no, come actually, a long way. You used to have just one voice that you would go to. Now you've got. You've got I know multiple. now I'm doing I'm doing conversations between the. No, they should play at a dome. They got to get the That's Bills the at the dome. No, no, no. They got to play, you know, in the, in the damn snow, in the elements. That's a real football stuff. Whatever. I don't actually care about either sides of those discussions. What's just objectively true, though, no matter how you feel about it it's cool it, it looks cool okay the snow looks cool uh I, it, january i live in la you know, i have no com- concept of real weather not from here but i i have seen weather before but whatever <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm down the street watching the game and it's you know beautiful outside it's cool to see the snow football okay in january it's just cool Oh, it was absolutely beautiful. You could tell the you could tell the footing was bad, right? But that's that's just a gorgeous setting. That was just an absolutely beautiful setting. Um, I the you know it's not even big picture exactly, but um, I like are is Cincinnati carrying this um disrespected thing a bit far? <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I I get it to some respect, right? Like I I understand you weren't part of the conversation for like the neutral site game and all that, and you were right there. I totally understand it. I I don't personally know anybody who disrespected or disregarded the, the Bengals. Like that team is that team is really fun. That offense is incredible. I I don't know anybody who disrespects Joe Burrow. I I don't know. I'm not I'm not surprised that they're here. Uh, yeah, no, neither am I. However, I I guess if I'm playing devil's advocate or I'm or I'm the lawyer arguing the Bengals un un you know uh, under heralded underrated disrespected case or whatever I-, I would say that when you think of like oh the AFC's elites it's like oh yeah Bill's Bills and Chiefs, they'll be there. You know, we, yeah. we got to get that Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen game. We got to get that again, but maybe in the AFC championship this time. That was sort of a national narrative. Even within their uh, own division, it's like, well, Baltimore will be back. Lamar will be healthy, stuff like that. They, the Bengals might not even win their own division. There's some regression that's going to take place. I do feel like, again, and just for Joe Burrow's sake, you know, typically, again, you're thinking like, oh, well, there's Mahomes, there's there's Josh Allen, there's uh, and then there's Herbert. He's going to join them this year. And Burrow just kind of like dunks on all these guys, right? Like, oh, I think Burrow's, yeah. despite the fact that he's the number one overall pick, and again, I think that sort of plays into, into your side of this here. They're not overlooked. They're not disrespected. He was the number one overall pick. He's whatever. He's supposed to be here. He's supposed to be this guy, but he is that guy. And I think we kind of don't talk about that enough. And then for Zach Taylor, too, I definitely think Zach Taylor is a guy that does not get discussed enough. And even still in some circles of like football media or football fans, like, almost like pick on Zach Taylor or like constantly are looking to, cause he was a, he was in that group of like, Oh, you had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, you know, yeah. you, you got hired or whatever, but he's been, whether you pick Nick's at like the scheme, sometimes he's, he's been an incredible culture changer there. And a guy from, you know, the bills Bengals game that got canceled. I, I gained a lot of respect for him generally there, but I think even before right. that he was a guy that was showing like, no, he is a culture changing force in that building. And you know, him and Burrow, I do think sort of kind of, maybe a little bit get like overlooked in the national discussion. 
Yeah, I, I guess that's fair, but it's just it's really a testament to how, again, how loaded the AFC is and how many how many yeah. uh, incredible quarterback talents there are there and how many um, impressive offenses like sh- shout out to Brian Callahan. I thought like he called a great game, right? Especially, man, uh, first couple of scoring drives for Cincinnati guys were so open. Um, Burrow yeah. obviously playing very well, but um, Callahan, I think, is already interviewed for the for the indie job like. But, you know, teams teams are coming for these for these coordinators in Cincinnati. So that's going to be a byproduct of of success there is that they're going to have to make coaching changes each year because um, those guys were really impressive. Um, J- Jamar Chase was silly. Burrow was silly. Like I was I was going back and forth with Eric at home a little bit on this. Like Burrow's Burrow threw some incompletions that were among the best passes of the day. Right. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. just pinpoint accuracy downfield put it on like the hand of his receiver in a situation where like only his guy could catch it and i don't know i don't know how he dropped it there like he was he i thought he was at his absolute best and he was making some of those throws like you know on the move um you, you know scooting up in the in the pocket just ahead of the line of scrimmage and he would just throw a dart 25 yards down the field like just a just a brilliant game by him the 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 non-catch by uh, Jamar Chase uh, for the, I was gonna say, the, that was the near touchdown throw. What a throw. Like what just an absolute dart. No, no other place to put that. Um, and then you combine that with ridiculous receiving talent. Like, we'll we'll talk about, I think there's a conversation to be had about like Buffalo's receiving core beyond Stefan Diggs. Oh, yeah. um, that is not a worry in Cincinnati because they have, they just have three really, really good players, one of whom is just a, a generational talent, right? Chase is ridiculous. I, I you know, I, I think it was on the, may have been on the ESPN pregame. Um, I forget who was, somebody was, somebody was talking about how, how excellent Jamar Chase is in terms of like how fluid his hips are and how that guy can basically go like zero to a hundred. Um, he's already like, he's the lower body is already rotated when he's, when he's catching the pass and he's ready yeah, to just go. And you stuff. saw that, you saw that like five times in, um, in the game against Buffalo where like he hauls in a pass and he never, you know, he never assumes the catch, right? Like he's always, he's always locked in on the ball, makes the catch, but his legs are like pointing an entirely different direction and he is ready to just take off. Um, he's just, he's just thrilling. Burrow was, was damn near perfect. Um, again, like his, he, he threw like three different incompletions that were better than any ball that like Daniel Jones or Dak Prescott threw all day. Yeah, Chase is such a special player, man. Mm. Um, no weaknesses in his game. He's a fantastic separator. He's great at high point, you know, ball winning, X receiver type stuff. And then his after the catch performances are like legendary at this point. Like, does the first tackle attempter ever bring Jamar Chase down? And then especially in this game, um, and, and he, it was he just, pulls in some catches where like if you just freeze frame where he is and how many guys are around him, and then like somebody tells you, oh yeah, he scores a touchdown here. You're like, what? No, there, there's yeah. no way he scores a touchdown here, but he's yeah. he's phenomenal. And it's not even some of the highlight stuff. Sometimes it's just like, oh, he turned this five-yard catch into a 10-yard catch or something like yeah. that. And that's just really impressive, good for the offense type of stuff. Um, I agree that the game plan coming in here with Cincinnati, I mean, Lou Anarumo on the defensive side of the ball is always pitching heaters and seems like a Vic Fangio type that's just going to consistently never get head coaching opportunities until maybe one day when he's older, he gets one. Um, and I mean, Lou is already a, an older guy as it is. I mean, from like a coaching standpoint, you know, he's not this like hot young Brandon Staley, 30 year old, something like that. So, um, but on the offensive side, I thought this was a great game plan. Cause we haven't said this yet. The freaking Bengals played with a uh, three backup offensive <laughs> linemen and you would never, like if you just told never. somebody, 
watching that game that was not familiar with that going in, you never would have guessed it. And I think that's a good way to transition. Like, by the way, they ran the ball extremely well to 20 carries, 105 yards and a touchdown for Joe Mixon, seven carries, 33 yards for, for P Ryan as well. They've been an efficient rushing team, even if like the fantasy production wasn't always there for Joe Mixon or, or it seemed a little hit or miss. We know he had that one big game. Um, but uh, yeah, like they've been, they had a great performance on the offensive line from a pass protection standpoint, from a rushing uh, game perspective and getting the ball out of Burroughs hands quickly, like just a bad day uh, for the Bills defense. And I think that we can transition that now to the Bills because we'll talk about the Bengals and, and going forward. And like we know, hey, by the way, they've got a they've got a game, uh, a big game against the Chiefs next weekend, but they kind of own the Chiefs. So that will be a fun discussion <laughs> uh, going all all week long. But let's transition this to the Bills, man, because I know I said, look, only one team wins a Super Bowl every year. And, and you know, it's it's hard. Uh, Josh Allen's what is he? He was 26 this year for the most part. Like he could play another 10 years. He could eventually win a Super Bowl, all this type of stuff. Let's not like freak out about Josh Allen, Super Bowls, Bills, Super Bowl, stuff like that. At the same time, though, this is a if they had just lost in the divisional round, I don't think I'd be feeling as bad as if they, it felt like they got their ass kicked in this game. Yeah, it felt like yeah. they were never they were never really like even when it was like, OK, they've got mathematically like the time wise, they can get this thing back in here. But the the performance of the defensive line, which they've poured resources in, and they couldn't get a lick of pressure on Burrow, despite the presence of backups, getting pushed around in the run game, and the tackling. Like, we're talking about Jamar Chase breaking all these tackles and stuff like that. The inverse of that is that they can't tackle for shit on the defensive side of the football. And this is a team that, at least the early points of Sean McDermott, built their identity on defense. And I know we'll talk about the receiver situation, and that definitely bears talking about. But that performance of that defense, and I think sort of quietly the last two years, the erosion of that defense overall. I know they signed Von Miller. They wanted Von Miller to be a part of this. He was not a part of it. But still, you poured a lot of resources into this defense, this pass defense in particular. And this was just, it was really an embarrassing performance by the defense uh, in this game. Yeah, almost everything looked super easy for Cincinnati, especially early. And and even, you know, even the first downs, even the successes for Buffalo looked so hard. They made everything look so hard. And a lot of that was, was you know, pressure that one team was getting that the other team was absolutely not getting, right? Like Bur Burrow, without three offensive linemen, um, sacked once, uh, lost two yards, uh, three quarterback hits. Like, he, he stayed clean. Um, and Josh Allen was, was flummoxed for a lot of this game. I mean, I, 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 yeah. you mentioned it, like great game planning on, on Cincinnati's part. I, I have to imagine, I don't know how to quantify it, that the, the crazy emotional roller coaster that the bills have been on for the past several weeks must like, they must be at an unusual level of exhaustion and, yeah. uh, you know, like people talk about distractions all the time in the NFL, but this is like a, this is like a real, you know, their minds were elsewhere for like a couple weeks. Um, and it's just a, it, you know, that's a, that's a hard way for to, to go out certainly, but this was, this was a weirdly non-competitive game um, that I think we were all uh, incredibly excited for. It ends with the the little bit of drama between Diggs and Allen. I don't think that's much of a thing. We just sort of know that yeah, Stephon Diggs cares? is a really passionate player, and gets said on sidelines. I don't think it's a really big deal, but it's gonna you know it's gonna consume a couple days of of uh, talk on uh, uh, you know the networks, whatever. But they need to. I mean, like 
I, th- I think we've resolved the Gabe Davis issue uh, yeah, <laughs> in, we in favor of the people who were not super pro Gabe Davis, right? Like he's he's not he might be a fun number three, but he's he's not the number two that you can lean on week in and week out. He's not the T Higgins uh, uh, yeah. that. Uh, yeah, if, if T Higgins is sort of the one a for, you know, Cincinnati, they they just don't have that uh, on the bill side. I um, was talking about Gabe Davis with somebody in my, in my Discord this morning, and and like I feel really good about the analysis I provided on Gabe Davis, like throughout the course of like reception perception, because he was a good player when he was like a situational guy for them, when he was like the number three, number four player. He's a legit good deep threat. Like you get Gabe Davis on nine routes, corner routes, post routes, stuff like that. He can absolutely rip it, but he doesn't get open enough to be a real number two receiver, and like. Somebody again, somebody asked me this morning. It's like, I don't see why the public was so sold on him after like the divisional round performance last year. And it's just like yesterday was so brutal. And I, I like, I know this is harsh, but my response is like, people don't watch film and they don't understand players. It's as simple as that. Like, period. That's the reason that he got so steamed up because you see the stat line. By the way, the stat lines was sort of inflated because guys are falling over in the divisional round last yeah. year in the, in the secondary. And then when you put him in situations like where he has to play a ton of snaps, it's just not good for the, it's not good for the team. It's not good for the offense. Again, not a, like a XFL caliber player or something like that. I don't think um, RP numbers or or my analysis would have ever told you that, but like, he's just, they were playing him way over like where he should have been. And I think that that was probably pretty easy to see coming. And they also don't have like a clear cut answer slot receiver. Like I think they probably should have just, played Khalil Shakir more I know he's not a perfect player but um I think he's better than like this version of Cole Beasley I think he's probably better than Isaiah McKenzie who's a kick returner um and that is definitely a situation where I think Buffalo again I think their defense has eroded to this point that 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 is not like a plus every week difference making type of unit and Allen and Diggs are a plus every week difference making duo but beyond that Andy Again, it's like Gabe Davis was a day three draft pick. Like he's already skating above where yeah. he probably should have been. Isaiah McKenzie's like a former kick returner. Dawson Knox is, you know, he's a pretty good tight end. And they they don't have like a, a dominant run game. And like their offensive line was a disappointment this year, too. So I think that for all of the like all in nature that we talk about with Buffalo, and again, the Von Miller signing is a big part of that. This is an offense that I think when you look at it on paper, I'm not surprised that they felt like this sort of ran out of gas here at the end of the season. Yeah, some at least some of the enthusiasm for Gabe Davis was also just, you know, we were trying to find a way to give Josh Allen like 40 touchdown passes. And when you do that, they got to go somewhere, right? <laughs> they can't, yeah. they, you can't like 25 of them are not going to go to Stefan Diggs. Like you can find you can find one guy that can have the monster year and then you have to sort of invent another guy. Um, and you could tell yourself a story about McKenzie because he had the one enormous game in place of Cole Beasley. You could certainly tell yourself a story about Gabe Davis because we've seen what his best moments can look like and they're awesome. But, you know, the reminder that you were giving us early in the season, his worst moments are also really dreadful, right? Like at, at yeah. his worst. And um, Gabe Davis had seven touchdowns, like seven touchdowns on a, yeah. on a small handful of, on like sub a hundred targets. Like that's a lot of touchdowns to targets. Even if it feels disappointing, like they just, that wasn't enough for the offense to sort of take that next step. Like I kind of think they have to go hard in the paint a little bit here to trans. If they want to fully transition to, we are a team that revolves around our quarterback. And look, I know Patrick Mahomes just took a, a really, subpar receiver core to the AFC championship game again. And not everybody is Patrick Holmes. Literally. In fact, nobody is Patrick Mahomes. So like for all of these other guys, 
that are tier two, like the non Mahomes tier or like tier one yeah. B or whatever, you got to give them more than Steph Diggs and like you know, a, a bunch of guys that are kind of are fine players, but end of roster players. So I, I think that Buffalo, Andy, my guess is that they have to go, like I said, pretty hard in the paint to um, improve the pass catching talent around Josh Allen. They are also a pretty clear landing spot for for a top running back, too. Again, there's a lot of a lot of good running backs to go Again, around. <laughs> every year feels like we say that. <laughs> I, yeah. And I like as somebody who's kind of interested in the way that Devin Singletary's season finished up last year, um, I, you know, I, we kept talking about what a clear winner he was in the offseason because they didn't really do anything other than other than the Cook edition. And Cook doesn't really profile as like an every snap sort of running back. Um, I, th- I, th- I don't know that they need that, but they need more talent here. Like, my God, Tony Pollard here would be awesome. Um, you know, any of the any of the free top free agent options would be awesome here. They there was a lot of buzz about this team being interested in Brees Hall and they didn't land him. Oh, my goodness. That would be that would be <laughs> that would be fantastic. Like maybe that again, it's a terrible receiver class. So maybe that's one of the ways that teams can attack this is with uh, a gifted receiver at the running back position. They've never really done it in Buffalo. Yeah, like I said on last week's uh, recap, or maybe it was this week's preview. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> there, it's all starting to run together now, which is weird because uh, we're doing fewer podcasts. So that that's maybe that says something about me as a person. But um, Josh Allen played a lot of this season, like he knew that the offense was on his shoulder, and it caused him to be, I, I think, make mistakes and do too much and play in chaos too often. Having like a Brees Hall guy to just like, hey. At certain points, it worked. Like the like Josh Allen, take the checkdowns. We've got you, James Cook. He's a pass catcher. Like we tried to get all these guys to catch passes. Like, imagine if it was Brees Hall, like on the other end of those oh. checkdowns. Imagine if it's one of these other you know running backs this year on the other end of those checkdowns. Like it's just incentivizing that more and more, and, and just making it like a real big time, like a yeah, big time running back condition would be really cool for this team. Yeah, you know they were they were rumored to want to get in on the McCaffrey stuff because I think they they knew that uh, this during the middle of the season. So again, I I don't. I think we have we gotta unload the clip on on uh, Buffalo a little bit because this was not just disappointing that they didn't make the Super Bowl. That's a different part of it. It was disappointing in how flat and uh, you know ran over they were by the end of the season here. Yeah, uh, ten points. Uh, <laughs> I, not, I realize, not a lot of points, know. Andy. Yeah, t- 10 is not going to win you very many games and is certainly not going to win you games when you get to like this part of the season and you're facing, you know, there are just there's there's no easy path in the AFC and there's not going to be an easy path for the next 10 years. You're going to have to deal with like Burrow is just going to be the the most difficult out for, you know, the next decade and Mahomes and going anywhere and Trevor Lawrence and Herbert and like I, Lamar is still there. <laughs> I mean, the AFC is just AFC is just stupid. And uh, one or more of these guys is never going to win a Super Bowl despite putting up. I don't know. These guys are all going to finish with like 60,000, 70,000 passing yards and, and several of them aren't going to aren't going to win Super Bowls. Oh, what a bummer. Well, every podcast we do with you, Andy, feels like we've won another Super Bowl here. So uh, I appreciate <laughs> you for doing this. <laughs> We're going to see you again on Thursday, but we are going to say goodbye to you for now uh, to bring in Dalton Deldon, who is hopefully coherent enough to uh, recap the 49ers Cowboys <laughs> game. Hey, Dalton. I mean, we'll talk about with him. With him. Uh, he was sending me like videos on the sideline. Uh, of, so he's got a real close eye there on things that happen. So uh, oh, pretty man. cool stuff. We are excited about that. But Andy. Appreciate you joining the show. Uh, As always, uh, you're the man. Appreciate it, buddy. Definitely a pleasure. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, we're back. And, you know, we don't typically have on-the-ground correspondence uh, from these games that we're talking to. You know, uh, boots on the freaking ground reporters here on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. But we do have one. We got one today, baby, because we got Dalton Del Don. I've got Dalton tweeting me like end zone or not tweeting me texting me end zone clips uh, of McCaffrey rushing in the touchdown sick stuff Dalton uh I appreciate you honestly doing this uh to recap 49ers 19 Cowboys 12 after you were at the game and I'm sure uh you're tired as hell this morning Niners yeah good stuff um yeah to be clear I'm a live in the moment guy that was my wife filming it but I had to send it to someone and and yeah I had to give you a, a nice shot of our guy BCB as that well but um yeah fun game lower scoring um than uh, many anticipated um but yeah real good stuff there and I'm yeah thanks for having me on and talking some some Niners winning a playoff game so I'm you didn't have to ask me twice I I was definitely not looking forward to this if they had lost but um yeah I know and I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't even take my medicine last week uh, on the pod about how bad my bucks were gonna were gonna uh, beat the the cowboys prediction and it really would have been frustrating you know that the cowboys uh you know knocked off my 49ers but um anyway good stuff yeah we don't have to live in that universe i was definitely thinking like what kind of state is dalton gonna be in i mean i know you're not like a at least from from what i i know of you you're not an overly uh emotive uh furious man maybe in your private life dalton you know on the nod podcast you're just punching holes in walls you're like these lunatics punching tvs and kicking tvs uh cowboys fans you see on the internet right now i was like i don't know what state dalton will be in if the 49ers lose but i guess we're gonna take the risk anyways and just have him on the show the morning after but uh we don't have to live in that universe buddy your your niners and bcb pulled it off I used to be that person, the crazy person who was inconsolable and cared way too much about this. But I have gotten better with age and, and more serious stuff in life. But, you know, last year I actually had a $120,000 ticket in Vegas for the Niners to win the Super Bowl and sat there and watched them in person lose. You know, we drove to L.A. the morning of the game. Um, this year I do not have any money. In fact, I have a weird one here. I have a 20K ticket on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. But I still mm. found myself as crazy in the stands yesterday so i was saying to myself aren't we just rooting am i too old to be rooting for laundry you know like because there is no money incentive here i'm just rooting for my fandom here but um it is what it is i got fired up and they and, and they won the game so uh what what are you from the outside perspective purdy didn't you know what, what what's the thoughts here um crazy ending i know the media is obsessed with yet another how that game ended with the funny formation just like oh, last yeah. year but but where do you want to start here yeah, let's start with the Niners. We'll we'll get to the Cowboys and the postmortem and everything there, but let's start with the Niners here. I mean, this was definitely the best defense objectively that Brock Purdy has faced and um there were certain moments where they you know, they put him in the blender a little bit. They definitely made things uh, confusing for him, but you know, he comes out 19 of 29, 214 yards. No like the the thing that with Purdy is he doesn't have that like crushing mistake. Even if there's certainly some throws he gets away with. I know that like there's some dropped interceptions, missed opportunities, stuff like that. I understand that those are part of it, but they we've never actually seen that yet with Brock Purdy, the big back breaking mistake so far. And I really thought what was interesting was the Cowboys definitely were, you know, 
this defense showed up. The defensive line showed up. Uh, there were moments where Trent Williams got the better of Micah Parsons. That's going to happen because Trent Williams is a baller. But they really stuffed the run. Um, and that was a big part of it. Like McCaffrey didn't have any sort of big rush, big rushing moments until later in the game. And I thought Purdy really was at his best actually when they went empty, like they went full empty, uh, and just kind of let him point and shoot a little bit. Like there were some moments where they moved Debo, you know, in the backfield, they moved Ayuk to the slot. And I thought that Purdy was actually really in control of those moments. At least that was my thoughts watching the game. Yeah, Purdy was under pressure on 48.5% of his dropbacks. That's the highest rate of all his starts so far. That TD percentage regressed. Uh, no doubt he's been lucky with a couple of multiple INTs dropped, uh, even in this playoffs. But man, in the second half of the last two weeks in the postseason, the dude is getting 12.9 YPA, 149.9 passer rating. Um, hey, I just happened to have dinner with my artist buddy who made this Trey Lance uh, painting behind me, and there might have to be a BCB one in, in the works here. Another, Seriously. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm not exactly going to go as far as Mike Silver, who's already ruled him the starter next year. You know, the same Mike Silver who wow. proclaimed that the Niners are drafting Mac Jones. Uh, but this is kind of underreported. But do you know my guy, uh, Trey Lance, is currently on crutches? That second surgery, he is currently really? right now on crutches. I mean, he's I not thought I saw him at OTAs. the like, behind behind uh, like Shanahan a little bit last night. Then he was last week. Kawakami reported he's on crutches in the locker room after the second surgery. Yeah, as recent as last week. So maybe I'm, I'm off by a couple of days. But he might not be ready for OTAs. Purdy is now in the conference championship game. He's won as many divisional uh, playoff games as the Cowboys have the last 27 years or something. Um, so, yeah, it's it's wild under the pressure. He's he's not made the crushing mistake. And forget those debates that we can have all offseason. I'm ready to proclaim one thing that's quite clear. The 49ers have a better chance of winning football games with Purdy than they did with Jimmy Garoppolo, which is pretty crazy for, you know, Mr. Relevant seventh round pick. But yeah, he is better than Garoppolo. He's just far more mobile. Yeah. And I mean, whatever that shuttle speed was, it, it, it translates to the NFL in elusiveness and getting out of the pocket. So it was wasn't great in the end you know wasn't certainly wasn't overly impressive but dude 12.9 ypa over the second half in two playoff games is pretty cool it's very cool and i agree with you that he has added more to this offense than jimmy garoppolo has at any point uh 1.58 ep or scramble epa in the playoffs i know he's only scrambled three times but that's been a big part of it um he's added a little bit from a mobility standpoint just a fluidity in the pocket i agree there and that was always like the thing with jimmy garoppolo was coming out of northern illinois uh, coming out of college like it was hey he he definitely is like wilts under pressure a little bit. He gets uncomfortable when bodies are around him in the pocket. Brock Purdy does not. Brock Purdy definitely like he will rip the ball deep and outside the numbers. Even if he's not great at it, like he will certainly push it. He will attempt it. Uh, I think that's been a big part of it. So, you know, 14.7 yards per completion in the playoffs so far. I mean, it has definitely been there for Brock Purdy. He's been I agree with you. Like, there's no conversation about like I, like even there was the reports hit on uh, I think it was Sunday morning or Saturday morning, whatever. Oh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo might be ready by conference championship. He might be ready by the Super Bowl if they make it that far. It's like, who cares? Like, okay, he can be ready to hold a clipboard. Like, that. Yeah. there's no way you'd pull Purdy off the field at this point. Yeah, he's 100. Yeah, Garoppolo would just be ready to be the backup, clearly. A um, couple more things. The grass splits really were a thing for the defensive pass rush this year, grass versus turf, but they got after it big time. Did you see the clip of, of Parsons lifting up Mike McGlinchey, who's six foot eight, oh, 10 yeah. pounds, and Dude. just moving him aside? Just unbelievable. Car Not only was it Tony Pollard injury, which we'll get to important, but Carlos Watkins left this game, defensive tackle. So, um, yeah, it was just a really two awesome defenses. Number one pressure rate in football, they finished with Dallas, even ahead of the 
Eagles who had what 75 sacks this year with number two. Um, but still very impressive defense that showed up and uh they deserve to win that football game. The Cowboys played great defensively. Yeah, Micah Parsons, man, what a baller. Um, you know, they've they've got a a, a legend there growing. Uh he's the guy who's talked about like you know, he, he wants to bulk up and um, be bigger if he's going to be a full-time edge guy. And they don't really do as much like moving him off ball like they kind of originally. And that is always funny with the with Michael Parsons. that I, I still say like Dallas kind of fell ass backwards into the player that Michael Parsons became because he was drafted to sort of be an off-ball linebacker. And then out of necessity, they ended up playing him a lot at edge. But that's sort of part of it. He's talked about, like, I, I want to like get bigger and, you know, change my body to be a full-time edge player. But shoot, he's still big enough right now to pick up a big, big ass Mike McGlinchey and drive him into the dirt. So uh, that is pretty impressive by Micah Parsons. I agree. Great defensive. I, I thought great execution, great game plan by Dallas. I mean, again, Chris McCaffrey just one yard on average before first contact. Like Jonathan Hankins, the guy they picked up in the middle of the season, was crucial in this matchup uh, when it came time to like stuff in the run and everything. Like the 49ers offense, you come, like none of these guys had massive, massive games. I mean, Kittle had 95 yards, five catches. Like, he had that one big kind of juggling play there. Um, Kittle was having fun in this game, that's for sure. That's I don't know if you saw a lot. Obviously, you didn't see that on the broadcast. I don't know if you've seen any clips afterwards, but yeah. he was having fun in the post-game interview, looking for the camera, stuff like that. So he was probably the biggest performer from an offensive standpoint. But, yeah, if you come in and you hold the 49ers to, you know, sub-20 points, you had a good game plan defensively, and, and I think it – that was if Dan Quinn gets a head coaching job, Dallas has got to figure out something on the defensive side of the ball, man, because uh, he certainly could and deserves one uh, after the season he had. Yeah, Kittle fair caught the McCaffrey touchdown celebration, and then he gave it to Jerry Rice, the, the celebration there. Definitely, and he was winking in the camera, too, at the end. So definitely having fun. Uh, Shanahan had just eviscerated Dan Quinn before uh, in previous matchups, and that did not happen here. I mean, they shut down the run game, and obviously from their time together in Atlanta and the familiarity, but but yeah, no, Dallas defense definitely brought. There's about 30% Cowboy fans there, I'd say, at least, and they got loud uh, during some certain moments. Uh, special teams was, was a big Big part of this football game. I mean, you know that it was actually the anniversary of Kyle Williams. I was having flashbacks of sitting in Candlestick. Oh, wow. The Kyle yeah. Williams two fumbles in overtime championship loss to the game, loss to the Giants. And right, that was my end zone side when Ray Ray put that fumble right on the ground. And this is a little bit nitpicking, but I guess he should have not fair caught the ball with two minutes and five seconds left, too. That could have got it into um into uh to the two-minute morning. And then Robbie Gold's tackle was huge. Turpin's yeah. taking that to the house there i mean that was uh and then obviously maher uh before the game there was all kinds of uh activity getting in his head and the blocks extra point but i honestly i'm glad it didn't come down to him missing it i just felt bad for the guy getting the yips yeah. in front of everyone i honestly hated that and i was uh, convinced leading up to it that that was gonna hurt the 49ers because the narrative was you know the kicker gold has never missed one but i thought it's gonna lead to more aggressive fourth downs and two-point conversion play calling but thankfully it did it did in one drive but man that pollard injury dak was picked off right after that i mean that was yeah. a a big deal that injury it sucks for the guy going into free agency you know we did our we did our um, exercise of uh, our first round fantasy picks for next year, and I actually included Pollard in there. I mean, he was the RB7 this year, this year with Zeke staying healthy, and they have an opt out in his contract, a way to get out of Zeke's contract. So I thought Pollard had first round fantasy upside, and here he is suffering a broken fibula. That, that was brutal. Yeah, let's just talk to the Cowboys now because we'll, we'll have more time to talk 49ers. Um, and look, you know, I. I 
it's funny we're coming out of this game. They feel great about the 49ers. There's still a couple of like Kyle Shanahan aggressiveness moments. I'd like him to turn that dial up. I feel like he's got, the guy will never take things off his plate because he's a great, you know, offensive play caller uh, and he wants to manage all those things. But my God, a few like more extra tweaks would be great there, Kyle. But we'll put the 49ers to the side here uh, for a second. Dallas Cowboys, man. Um, again, I said it with Andy earlier that like, hey, only one team wins a Super Bowl every year. The Cowboys have specialized in a way the last couple of years against the 49ers both times. Not only do they find a way to lose these playoff games, which, hey, again, only one team wins a Super Bowl. It's, it's hard to win Super Bowls. They've got to find like the most embarrassing way to go out possible. I mean, just terrible, terrible. Like the final play was, by the way, that might be Zeke's last play as a Cowboy. You mentioned it. Mm. And they have him line up at center, snapping the ball and get just absolutely demolished on the way to throwing a pass to get the first down big whoop that's how the game ends I don't know I think it it might be more embarrassing it might be more memeable than the quarterback draw that they had last year against San Francisco so Cowboys coming off here with a lot of bad vibes including the the Tony Pollard injury as you mentioned that really did suck a lot of life out of the offense because this is a team that just lacks playmakers period I mean CeeDee Lamb is incredible 10 of 13 in this game he had a couple of big like outside the numbers, X receiver, go route plays as well. I, I think he's a complete receiver, but most of CeeDee Lamb's damage is done over the middle. Fred Warner is like a legit stop stop sign in the middle. Like you don't want to pick on Fred Warner there as, as the middle of the field defender. And that just leaves like, you know, again, Michael Gallup, who's still not healthy. Like I don't know why they bet on him to just clearly be healthy when he, he probably never would be. And then you have no Pollard. Like you just don't have a lot of juice left in this passing game. And of course, like Dak, I mean, we'll talk about Dak here in a second, but yeah, that's just like this is the this is who the Cowboys have basically been all year. Yeah, uh, Dalton Schultz, man, did he go down the Dalton Power Rankings? Not getting that, that second. Uh, I think he's got to go down there. the Dalton Power yeah, Rankings yeah, after that know, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah thanks, thanks for that shout out, by the way, on that tweet. CD Lamb was awesome. He was a real deal. Uh, Dak flat out missed uh, Gallup on that long play at the end. He Gallup yep. had uh, Mooney Ward beat. Could have been a game changing play, but um, Gallup just obviously did not look right um, all year long. Um, so they, they have the Amari Cooper trade uh, list looks even worse in hindsight. And obviously Cowboy fans have been screaming that that could be the case um, from the beginning of all, all year long. But yeah, Dak Prescott, first quarterback to lead the league in interceptions while missing five games this season. So uh, he's looked you know great at times. And then all those interceptions, including two uh, against the, the Niners. So yeah, it's a, an off season with a lot of questions. Uh, the, 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 the win in Tampa Bay saved McCarthy's job. Um, do like Kellen Moore, the play caller, but um, yeah, there's still questions there, and uh, it's wild that this team is not advanced, you know, deeper in the playoffs in in so so many years. Yeah, just on Dak, man. I mean, that's I I said it to a friend of mine at the time, like that, or to my brother-in-law, like that's a unacceptable like game. It, it's a, it, and some of those throws, the final drive especially, completely not the final drive that with the embarrassing you know Zeke snap, but the drive before that, before they got the ball back, like you are in crunch time and like that's the the drive that you put out. That's just unacceptable for a guy that's as highly paid as Dak is. That's that is as good of a player as Dak is. Cause Dak's a good quarterback, man, but. I think we're at a point now where he's topped out and like we might have I, I always come back to like all of the injuries with Dak that like he never he doesn't run as much like so much of what he was great at early on in his career was you know making plays on the move stuff like that that's definitely not a part of his game anymore um, he's a good processor uh, I think he reads things out pre-snap well but he makes bad decisions post-snap and like that was certainly the case in this game even some of the interceptions that weren't caught 
Like he was putting the ball in harm's way. That's been a problem all year long. Um, Oh, like and Greenlaw dropped that uh, other interception at the end. I had flashbacks yeah. of a tart dropping the interception in the Rams game that could have sealed it. I mean, Greenlaw, I would have been tougher Greenlaw because, you know, the linebacker cut it. But yeah, Dak could have nearly was picked there, too. Exactly. And I think that's the problem is that Dak is sort of because he's not I mean, he's not like a Mahomes or Allen or even a Burrow in terms of like his physical uh, traits. Like now he's sort of starting to get into that dreaded. I'm writing checks that my arm can't cash uh, phase of his career. And look, he's he's 30 years old. Like, he is what he is at this point. He's not going to suddenly take, like, a leap or something like that. And But I, at the same time, like, Dak is still the Cowboys quarterback for the next few years. I don't care what his contract says. Like, they're not going to get out of Dak Prescott or whatever. But we're certainly at a point for the Cowboys going forward where they have to put more around him than they did this year. I mean, going with Michael Gallup is the clear cut to having, like, Guys like Dennis Houston start the season as big time contributors. Noah Jalen Tolbert like, was drafted in the third round, and fantasy guys bro. were drafting him in like round nine. And the guy was a healthy scratch, and they badly needed receiving help. I mean that, yeah. So that didn't look like the greatest pick. No, it did not. I still can't. I, I'll. I want to know like what happened with Jalen Tolbert, man, because I thought he had some nice traits in in college, but he was just a flat out zero this year, and wasn't like a. This wasn't some like sixth round pick that we were just shoehorning. He was a he was a day two draft pick, so that looks like a real miss. So again, I get and you know they tried they signed James Washington, which I don't know is like a it's not a you know, it's James Washington right you know, like a big solution, but he was a he was a problem because uh, of injuries uh, all year. So they signed T.Y. Hilton and he's playing like big time snaps in a divisional round. You know this is where we're at. So I think that's the biggest offseason priority for for Dallas is I think you got to put more guys around uh Dak Prescott you know you probably aren't bringing Dalton Schultz back at this point you know so down down the uh, Dalton power rankings there and yeah Pollard man like what's going to happen with with Pollard because I think we've definitely seen uh, I think there's a pretty good chance we've seen the end of Zeke um maybe not just because he's he's so beloved there and the owner obviously loves him but what do you do with Pollard man like do you franchise tag him and or something like that because if the broken fibula the high ankle sprain all this stuff is not great going into free agency yeah, definitely some questions uh, there in Dallas. Pff, bigger ones now with that injury to Pollard certainly sucks. Um, thanks for having me on, man. I'm certainly nervous about this upcoming championship game. I think the Eagles are rightfully favorites. We'll settle in about yeah. three-point favorites. Um, awesome football team have been the best in the conference all year. So uh, definitely worried about that matchup. And man, before I before I go, further proof we live in a simulation. Uh, I made... Uh, a dinner reservation for uh, industry writer John Onin. You know who John Onin is? He's a PFF mm -hmm. editor and yep. a diehard Cowboy fan. I'm, I have a buddy, close buddy. His sister's married to, to John. I made dinner reservations before the NFL season started for last Friday night. So five months before, and it happens to be Niners-Cowboys weekend. I mean, wow. just wild. They haven't had a home playoff game against the Cowboys since 1994. So shout out to John, who had to sit uh, sit with through a three-and-a-half-hour dinner of me and my wife talking entering this weekend uh, actually we were all terrified to be honest all three of us were convinced we were going to lose in truthfulness but uh anyway so good Sounds times and, and thanks Harmon, for having me on go Niners but uh this might be the last time uh, of the year it was, it was a good run but um I'm afraid the Eagles are probably going to knock us out um 
glad you're feeling that way, I guess. I mean, since you got a 20K ticket on the Eagles, you can't feel yeah. too. That's if a good, that's like, that is the perfect emotional hedge. Like, hey, look, be great if the 49ers can make a Super Bowl here. I mean, what an incredible story to be with Brock Purdy. But if you stuff 20K in your pocket, you'd be feeling all right. But I, I have an endless amount of uh, evidence of finishing second year. Even I had a big, K, uh, big payout on the Phillies in the World Series who lost in the World Series. So the Eagles are going to knock out the Niners and then lose to either the Chiefs or the Bengals in the Super Bowl. That's, I mean, I already mark it down right there, but definitely going to happen. <laughs> Who do you like? Man, the other one, I, I guess, I didn't miss the legendary game, at least on my phone, the other one. But, uh, man, the, the Bengals, uh, w- wild to see them to win so easily in Buffalo. Yeah, Andy and I had a big conversation earlier on, like, are the Bengals disrespected? Are they overlooked? Stuff like that. Um, I've argued the case that they are kind of a little disrespected and overlooked. Like, Burrow and Zach Taylor, I don't think get, like... Burrow's, if you want to call him the best quarterback, non, best non-Mahomes quarterback in the NFL, like I, I think you could you could make that case, and like it would have been hard to it, hard to see a lot of people arguing that case before the season. So yeah, it was an incredible uh, game. Was, I Dalton, let me get your take on this before we let you go because I asked Andy, uh, is it time to put divisional round on notice? Um, as everybody says, oh, it's the best weekend of football, best weekend of football. Is it time to put the divisional round on notice uh, for for flopping here, pretty big time? Well, especially because that super wild card weekend's become so fun too. So, uh, yeah, that was a bad week. Yeah, no, yeah, that was a bad one. But hey, man, the game I was at was freaking. I was on pins and needles yeah, for three and a half hours. One. But yeah, very under, not very high scoring. But yeah, it was a, a very disappointing uh, divisional round uh, weekend. No question, they are on notice officially for sure. It is yes. Dalton, that's why uh, that's why I love you because you'll you'll use my exact stupid phrasing uh, to, to to agree with me there. So hey, buddy, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this the morning after uh, a big game like that. I'm glad you guys had fun. I'm glad you were able to see BCB and the boys in person. Love to see it. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Make sure to follow everybody you heard here on Twitter at Andy Barons for Andy Dalton is at Dalton Del Don rocketing up the Dalton power rankings after a big showing today. And of course I'm at Matt Harm underscore BYB all alone here on underscore Island for this episode. Make sure you're following at Yahoo fantasy as well. I'll be back on Thursday with Andy and tank a little postseason FFL reunion to preview the conference championship games. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get Dalton's text feeling uh, heading into that one as well. So we still got some Dalton on the conference championship preview until then we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.